Today I'm going to be talking about betrayal. Uh, it's a, a bit of an ugly word uh, and one that is uh, distasteful to, to us, um, even in this modern confused age where morality is a, is a little bit fluid. Um, the Bible tells us that in this age people will be lovers of evil um, and certainly we see people trying to justify all sorts of evil. But that word betrayal still seems to have a very yeah, um, terrible taste in our mouth. Uh, none of us would like to be labelled as uh, a betrayer, uh, and I think few would uh, admit to that label if we were to be labelled like that. Uh, so in the passage today, we're going to see probably the most famous person in history known as a betrayer. We're going to see Judas and we see perhaps the straw that broke the camel's back, the thing that uh, led to his betrayal. Obviously, he didn't jump straight there, and this was something that was coming. Uh, but uh, we see the final act that makes him uh, you know, turn to betrayal. Uh, so let's jump into the passage. Uh, but before we do, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to have uh, this technology together and listen to your word. We pray that we do listen to your word and we are changed by it, Lord. We know that that can only happen uh, with your spirit uh, who has been promised to live within us as we, uh, as we become your children. Your spirit is in us, changing us, revealing all mysteries to us. And Lord, we pray that we can continue to learn and grow and become more like you um, and learn to submit to your will and your teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me read this. Um, this is Mark chapter 14, uh, reading from verse 1 to 11, the plot to kill Jesus. It was now two days before the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, let there be an uproar from the people. And when he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, and as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment and pure nard, uh, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. For you always will have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. 
Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. It seems amazing. So if you saw the title at the beginning, How Not to Betray Jesus, it, it does seem like an amazing thing uh, for anyone to do. Judas was his friend and lived closely with him for three years. Um, it certainly seems like some, you know, something to us as Christians, something that is unbelievable and something that we, we could never do. Um, but hopefully I can unravel that this, uh, this Sunday and, and talk about, uh, give us a bit of an insight into why someone would betray Jesus. Okay, so those of you who are maybe 30 or older, um, maybe some of the younger people might have heard of this person, but this is Mother Teresa who died in 1997. Uh, she was uh, she was given the Nobel Peace Prize uh, before I was born, actually, in 1979. And she was uh, well known. She was basically synonymous with selfless compassion. She worked as she was a Catholic nun and a missionary and founded an organization which sends nuns all over the world who worked in the most deprived areas. She was well-loved and respected all over the world and was a symbol of uh, love and care and charity. And declared, she was declared a saint after she died. Uh, there was a bit of controversy about that, but um, during her life she was known as this figure of, of love and care and compassion. Now, imagine if Mother Teresa or some figure like that, who was so well known for her selfless compassion and giving to the poor and needy. Imagine if she was coming to visit Malaysia and one of the sultans takes her into his palace and throws a lavish party for her. Imagine that sultan uh, spends millions of ringgits on the best food and decorations and performers and fireworks, they bring in an international singer, they, they invite the, the, the most kind of uh, yeah, famous guests they can just to celebrate Mother Teresa's life. Now, what do you think the reaction would be to that? You probably realise that there would be a public outrage at the, this, this lavish waste of money. And they'd be right, wouldn't they? You see, this woman has devoted her life to the poor and the needy, and surely you sp if you spend uh, millions on a party for her, she'd probably be quite revolted by that, and sh uh, surely this would be a mockery of all her life stands for. And it's not much... Uh, uh, yeah, it's, so, if we look back to the passage, these people who were indignant, so verse... Uh, verse 4, these in, people who indignantly are saying, why was this money, this ointment wasted like this? It's not much of a stretch to relate to these people. You see, it's easy for us, with hindsight, to look at these grumblers, these indignant people, 
and say, why was this money wasted? Think for a minute how much a year's wages can buy. In fact, it's more than a year's wages. In fact, 300 denarii is supposed to be 300 days' work. And considering there are at least 100 days of weekend, uh, most of us don't work 300 days in a year. So, um, what could you buy for a year's wages? Well, for most of us, that would probably buy a car. Some of us a very, very nice car. Some of us probably not so much. But regardless, if imagine if you took that money and instead of buying a car for yourself, you spent it on perfume and then you poured it over somebody. Apart from that person probably being quite upset for you ruining their clothes, uh, it's probably quite a painful thought to waste that much money. That person would have to be beyond special for you to spend that mon much money. Now imagine again Mother Teresa coming to that party and then turning to those people who are grumbling and saying, stop, stop complaining. Stop grumbling. I deserve this. That would be a shock, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that, you feel as if that just contradicted everything that her life was about? Wouldn't that be, you, you would think that would be the height of arrogance. Well, there probably wouldn't uh, be many who would go after her to plot to kill her. But no doubt there would be many who would lose faith in Mother Teresa and her ministry. And, and just a few, and, and we've seen this, just a few would feel so betrayed by her, what her actions have just done that in turn they would go out and they would just try and destroy her reputation. They would tell everybody about this incident. Mother Teresa, who supposedly has devoted her life to the poor, has just accepted a party for millions of ringgits and said, yes, I deserve it. Isn't she arrogant? Doesn't she, you know, isn't that a waste of our money that we've just invested in her? We've given her our money. This last couple of weeks, we've seen people turn uh, and betray or rather turn on uh, J.K. Rowling, who... Uh, is a famous author, if you don't know her, and uh, she recently said some controversial things about you know, transgender women, but we're not going to go into that. But it's interesting that this high-profile figure, her former friends and followers, so even some of her friends, have not only publicly dis uh, distanced themselves from her, but some of them have you know, also come out and campaigned to make sure that people know about what she said and to sully her name. So, what's going on here? Has Jesus betrayed everything that he has stood for? Were these people, and especially Judas, his friend, right to betray him? And this is my first point. If, sorry, 
if we know Jesus, we're going to follow him. Sorry, if, sorry, we must know Jesus if we're to follow him. We must know Jesus if we're to follow him. You see, it seems like the most obvious thing in the world, doesn't it? How can we follow somebody without knowing them? You know, I come to a church, I listen to the sermons of the, the people at the pulpit, uh, I get to know the people in the church, and then I start saying, yes, I'm a member of the church. I'm not going to just jump straight in and say I'm a member of the church. How can we follow someone, especially someone like Jesus, who doesn't just ask him to follow him like follow him on social media or even spout the odd quote about him without knowing him. Jesus asks us to follow, uh, to commit our lives to him. This is not just a follow on Twitter or reading the latest book or telling our friends, uh, just, uh, just sharing some anecdotes about him or putting, po posting our, our picture of him and us on social media and saying, this is, this is the guy I respect. This is an all or nothing kind of thing that Jesus asks of us. How can we follow someone like that if we don't know him? Someone like Jesus who constantly asks our all. Through his ministry, however, we see him telling his disciples that his being here is, uh, is something different. It's no mistake that he repeatedly uses the phrase, I am, or Yahweh, the Jewish name for God. He refers to himself as God. And he constantly says that he deserves the praise that he has given. If we say that we're Christians and we don't know him, if we say that we're Jesus' followers and we don't know our Bible, then we are in danger of becoming just like Judas and others who have fallen away and betray Jesus. When, we're look when we were looking for a new minister, um, and we found Eric wonderfully, uh, Craig asked me about what uh, I thought of a couple of different candidates. Uh, there were a couple of people who uh, we, we did uh, talk to. Um, I said as long as they are faithful for preach to preaching the gospel of God, the word of God, I'm fine. That is the most important thing. Everything else can be worked out. When I first came to IBCBI and heard Craig preaching... I knew that this was where God wanted me. Craig was preaching faithfully the message of the gospel from the Bible. He was expounding it. This is regardless of the tiny, fluid congregation. And it was tiny back then. Um, and people came and went all the time. This is regardless of the, the plastic picnic chairs at the back. This is regardless of... Uh, the music back then was pretty bad, not like the team we have now. But I knew that God wanted me at this church because the 
gospel was being preached faithfully. It's why I've worked so hard to make sure that the men's Bible study has come first, despite my busy workload. And if you're not a regular member of a Bible study, please join one. If we don't know Jesus, how can we claim to be his followers? Because once Jesus reveals himself, if we don't know him, we might be mistaken and we might fall away. We might be shocked. So we know him by reading and studying the word of God. My second point is equally obvious how not to betray Jesus. Jesus comes first. Because that's what Jesus asks from us. If somebody is constantly asking you to put them first and you don't, then you are betraying what they have constantly asked you to do. And it's even more for Jesus. Because this is our route to salvation. By trusting in Jesus and following Jesus, we are saved and we have assured our place in heaven. But Jesus comes first. Now, I love the fact that IBCBI has a heart for the community. We give rice and oil and other supplies to local families during Hari Raya, and I love that. And I believe that it's essential for a church to serve its community. It shows that we have love as Jesus and God has loved us. But if that comes before Jesus... Knowing him and making him known, then we have already betrayed him. We know that many people claim to have known and served God, and that on the final day of judgment, God will say to them, I never knew you, depart from me. That's a scary thought. Getting to the day of judgment and saying, God, uh, I have been serving you all my life, and God saying, I never knew you. Depart from me. And that goes back to my previous point. If we don't know Jesus, he will not know us. There are many churches that are doing great charitable deeds, who are campaigning for the environment, for the poor, the sick, the abused and the downtrodden. These are great things but uh, are they putting Jesus first? The logic is simple in this. You might be making these other people's lives better in this life, but where will they be in eternity? So it makes sense that we put Jesus, we put God first. His praise, his worship, getting to know him knowing how to serve him, preaching to others, speaking to others about him, should come first. It was a question that was, uh, I've been in a couple of talks by Tear Fund, uh, who come around to Christian unions, who come around to churches to talk. It was uh, a question that was leveled at them, whether they are putting Jesus and his gospel first rather than their charitable giving. 
I think there are some people in that organization who are very faithful Christians, who wherever they go and serve, uh, serve God in their charitable givings, they do speak the gospel. But equally, I think that there are some people in that organization who put the charitable giving first. Now, don't get me wrong. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, For, uh, for you, will, uh, you always have the poor with you, and wherever, whenever you want, you can do good for them. This is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 15, verse 11. So the Jews would have recognized this verse. So Deuteronomy 15, verse 11 says, For there will never cease to be poor in your land. Therefore I command you, you shall open your hand, or you, sh you should open wide your hand to your brother, the needy and the poor in your land. Jesus is actually reaffirming this duty to look after the poor, but now telling them there is a more important duty at hand. And that's him. And if it wasn't, if he wasn't God, then again, that would be monumentally arrogant. I come before serving the poor. And that might even sound shocking to many of us here. Jesus comes before serving the poor. This passage opens with the announcement that the Passover is two days away. So, like many dramatic moments in films or TV series, this is kind of the, the uh, kind of drumbeat or the sound um, at the as, as the scene changes in, in 24, you probably, because it's been repeated elsewhere, this, this kind of dramatic beat. The Passover is two days away. Those of you who know the significance knows that this is a countdown to Jesus' death and his sacrifice for all Christians throughout time so that we can now have a relationship with God and that we can now have access to God and we have a promise of eternity in heaven. Verse 6 says, uh, but Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before, beforehand for burial. Burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done with, uh, will be told in memory of her. You see, Jesus knew that his death was coming. He said, she has done a beautiful thing. She has anointed him, preparing him for the grave. And isn't that right? Her act has been remembered throughout the world, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, because she, above all, put Jesus first. It is madness to us, it seems madness to us, to sacrifice that much money to put Jesus first. It's like the widow who is giving all that she has in those two copper coins to Jesus. 
Are you willing to beggar yourself to put Jesus first if he asks for that thing? When I, when I uh, came to Malaysia, people obviously asked me why I came to Malaysia. And, and I tell them, uh, quite simply, because God told me to. And, and people are amused. Um, but sometimes they give me uh, a strange look, uh, as if I'm slightly crazy. And you might say, and you'd be quite right to say, Oh, but it's easy for you. You have a nice job and work in a nice school. You now have a nice house and a, a car to spend money with. Um, sorry, a car and, and money to spend. Uh, what a, an easy ministry God has asked you to do. Well, hopefully, and, and I, I, perhaps I, I am preparing for the day when God might ask more from me. And it's not, uh, those of you who know me, it's not so easy. I, I don't find it easy to make friends. I have godchildren and nieces and nephews back in the UK and I miss them uh, but that's a conversation for another time what if God asks you to do the most difficult of tasks we've been looking at Jonah in the men's bible study God asked him the most difficult of tasks for him and he ran away even though he was a prophet of God well respected in Israel he knew God we see later on he knows the character of God and actually this is why he runs away God asks him the most difficult of tasks I know I've used them as an example before uh, but I'm astounded I'm always astounded at Sharon and Anthony Rivers who who moved to Kenya from us from here to serve and they took their five children with them. Now, I'm single um, and I don't have any roots uh, here. Um, and I would kind of second guess whether moving to Kenya would be the right thing, especially what's going on now. It's a difficult time in Kenya, incredibly difficult. Um, but with five children as well, you could easily Imagine someone saying that is not our calling because we have children and God, surely God wants us to keep them safe. That is our first duty. That is the first duty of parents to keep their children safe. And that would be a good uh, excuse not to go. This is the kind of service and sacrifice that God may ask of us to put Jesus first. You see, this was the final straw that broke the back of Judas and pushed him to betray Jesus. Those two points, he did not know Jesus despite living alongside him for three years. If he did, he probably would never, never have committed to following Jesus. And he did not put Jesus first. Or, like Peter, he would, yeah, Peter proclaimed that he would die for Jesus. We know that Peter loses his courage when the time comes. 
But like the most of the remaining disciples, he goes on to die for Jesus. If Jesus had put Jesus first, he would have committed to that level of sacrifice. Being prepared to die for Jesus rather than the betraying him. And sometimes that is the choice. So the challenge comes for us. Are we making it a priority to know who God is? Are we ensuring that by bearing the name of Christian, we know who Jesus Christ is? Or are we just holding that name falsely? Are we seeking to learn more about him by reading our Bible, by going to Bible studies, by researching if someone here has, you know, who, is, who is preaching has, you know, says something strange, are we chasing up on that? I don't understand that. I don't quite agree with that. Asking questions of Eric or myself or others in the church. What did you mean by that? What is the, I've got this dilemma in my life that I think this maybe applies to. As Christians, we are given the spirit to unravel the mysteries of the Bible. It's something that even the angels long to peer into. That's what it said. So why waste it? We need to know Jesus if we are going to follow him. And obviously, are we putting Jesus first? Above serving the community, the poor, the desperate, the needy and the abused, doing charitable acts, improving our reputation in the community, are we worried more about that than about putting Jesus first? Are we making every attempt to know God and to make him known? Let me pray. Father, help us to commit our lives to you and continue to commit our lives to you. Give us boldness and bravery when we are speaking about you to others. And Lord, we, we pray for a passion and desire to know you more. Give us a love of your word. Give us a love of talking about you with our friends both Christian and non-Christian. Give us a desire to, to understand the difficult parts of your word so that when we come to your presence, we won't be surprised by who you are, that we will know you and, Lord, we pray that you will know us that we will be in the book of life and we will have your promised eternity. Lord, I pray for all of the church, for IBCBI, that I will see them there in eternity. In Jesus' name, Amen.